0: You are welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye Oikia Christian Center Global. Get set to be at the fire, the word works. Hallelujah. All right, let us go into the word. We're looking at deeper in the month of January. What are we talking about when we say deeper? What do we mean? What are we trying to get to. A lot of Christians have been taught and been given teachings about God and who God is from the standpoint of what they can get from him. Nothing wrong with that. God, God is God. Hallelujah. We have examples in scriptures where God came through for people, for covenant people, for nation of Israel. We have that he parted the Red Sea for them. He sent down manna from heaven for them. All right? He did that for a purpose. Praise God. We have Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ never turned down the cry of anybody who came to him for help. Hallelujah. We have several examples of that. In Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, she touched the hem of his garment and she was healed. Praise God. All right? Blunt by said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What do you want? That I may receive my sight. And Jesus actually opened his eyes. So God is not opposed to people asking him for things. All right? The Bible won't talk about whatsoever you shall ask. All right? According to what you desire, you shall have. So God is not opposed to those things. Okay? However, if that is the God that is shown to us, if that is the God that forms the basis of our theology, there's a problem. Because a lot of theology right now focuses on how to use God to get something. And I'm afraid to tell you that if that is all of the theology that is in the church, the church will be swimming in shallow waters for a very long time. Because God did not create man for man to live for himself. God did not create man for man to live based on his needs and desires. That's not why God created, all right, God created man. In St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number four, we have the devil taking Jesus, all right, to a high mountain to tempt him, all right? Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, but the Bible tells us that the devil took Jesus Christ to a high mountain that is taking a high mountain in the realm of the Spirit, praise God, and tells him, all right, that if thou be the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. Jesus says, it is written, Man shall not live by what? Bread alone. What is bread? Bread has to do with anything that pertains to physical sustenance, anything that pertains to the natural sustenance, things that pertains to this world, this physical realm, this physical dimension, all right? Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, which means that there is a living by bread component in man's existence. So we are not ruling out the desires. We are not ruling out all right, the needs. The needs are a fact all right they are normal it's okay man lives by them but man shall not live by bread alone not man shall not live by bread at all but it doesn't mean man shall believe by bread alone a theology that focuses on bread it's a faulty theology a theology that focuses on god to cause you to break through you need to do this so you can win you need to do this so you can succeed so that you can be more than your enemies and more than this That's a faulty theology because it makes man and our needs. It makes man and his needs and his desires. It makes an idol of, of our needs and our desires. And that is not what deep Christianity is. So in deeper, what we are looking at is getting into what the crooks of the Christian work is. What it should be about. We start from the Babylon stage. Hallelujah of Christianity and we go to the mature or adult stage of Christianity. We will start from baby stage where we talk about <coughs> feeding on milk, the milk of God's word, what is the milk of God's Word? All right? What's the milk of God's word? A lot of people will start from that. Every Christian is going to start from that, from that from the milk stage of, um, of, of knowledge. But you're not supposed to live at the milk state of knowledge. All right? It is a phase. You are supposed to outgrow that phase. Okay? When you have believers stuck in the milk phase of knowledge and having to be fed milk again and again and again and again, it is a pointer to the point that um, they've not yet gotten to that place of conviction concerning those truths. Praise God. I said praise God. First Peter, chapter number 2. All right? From verse 1 to 2, we're looking at our theme scripture. Peter writing, all right, to his audience, all right, in the book of 1 Peter, the audience of Peter in the book of 1 Peter had to do with Christian Jews that were dispersed, okay, around the world. So, all right, those were the people who were really speaking to, there are some Gentiles there. But, you know, any Christian that reads it, you know, all right, would, um, no, I said 1 Peter chapter number two, please, not 2 Peter. 1 Peter 2 verse one, can we read? What does he say? Wherefore, laying aside what? All malice, and all what? Guile, and hypocrisy, and what? envies and what? Evil speakings. Notice that this is pertaining to conduct, right? Pertaining to what? Conduct, okay? All right, this, one of these we're going to emphasize in 2023 is the Christian conduct. Shine the light of Christ through proper Christian conduct, okay? All right, our sanctification, our consecration is revealed in our conduct, okay? So you see that... All right. The teaching of Paul and teaching of Peter and Peter of James is that they affirm your identity such that via the affirmation of your identity in Christ, it manifests in expression in your conduct. So I let you know who you are so that you can know how you should live. So when I see a man who says he's a Christian who is not expressing Christ's life, we trace it to a lack of understanding of his identity because if he understands who he is and gets as clarity concerning his identity, it will show forth in the expression misconduct. You understand what I'm saying? It's like a royal son of a king living like a slave. You will say the reason why he's living like a slave is because he doesn't have an understanding of his identity. So you try to let him know this is who you are. And as a result of who you are, you shouldn't be living like this. You understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Now, it's a way for laying aside all malice and all guide and hypocr- hypocrisy and heavies and all evil speakings. Verse 2 announces that what? As newborn babes, uh-huh. Desire what? The sincere milk of the world. Desire what? The sincere milk of the world that ye may what? Grow thereby. Desire the sincere milk of the world that you may grow thereby. Newborn babes. So babies are fed milk. What does milk refer to? Milk is a metaphor the writers of scripture use to communicate all right, the different gradations of revelations of the Word of God. Milk from what he said is liquid. When you want to take milk, there is no need for you to break it down. You understand? All right, for example, if a man were to eat yam, he will need to break it down with his teeth. If he was fed meat, he will need to chew the meat to be able to digest it. So, all right, when the Bible talks about the milk of the Word, he's talking about. Revelation or teachings that can be easily what? Assimilated. Talking about first principles, foundational doctrines, foundational teachings. That is what the milk of the word is referring to. Okay? And it says, as newborn babe. So that means also for us to understand, and that if milk of the word is referring to foundational teachings or first principles, okay? And Peter is saying, as newborn babes, desire, first principle revelation, it means that maturity in the kingdom of God is described not by how long you've been a Christian, but in your capacity to understand. Or the revelation you can handle. You understand. The revelation you you can handle. So understanding is a pointer to maturity. Understanding is a pointer to maturity. What a congregation or a people or an individual can understand from the scriptures is a revelation or revealer of his understanding. Of his maturity, sorry. Because if you look at book of Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter number 5. And we're going to look at from verse 11 into 13. 11 into 13. Uh, uh-huh. Hebrews five eleven. Praise God! Hallelujah. What does it say? Hebrews five eleven. Can we go in there? What does it say? Read. Want to go? Of whom we have many things to say and had to be uttered, seeing ye are what dull of hearing. Now, if you look at in the Hebrews chapter five from verse one, P, uh, um, the writer of Hebrews, who I believe is Paul, Timotheus, was talking about Melchizedek the high priest, and he's beginning to contrast and explain. All right, the difference between Levitical. And um, uh, 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 make it, make use a and priesthood, he leads up to that and continues in 6, chapter 6 and 7 and all that. But not look what it says, of whom we have many things to say and had to be uttered. Seeing ye are dull of hearing. Dull of hearing means they had the problem understanding. Are you following? They have the problem what? Understanding. Mm-hmm. Dull of hearing. Verse 12. Next verse, it says what? Verse 12 says what? For when for the time ye ought to be teachers. You have need that one teach you again, which be the what? First principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of what? So milk is first principle teaching. First principle teaching. First principle teaching. Things that are easy to understand. Okay? Jesus died on the cross. First principle teaching. He died for sins. First principle teaching. Jesus is the word, become flesh. First principle. You know, things that are easy to understand. And that's necessary when someone is a newborn babe. Because first principle teaching is foundational teaching. And it's important. Very important. The sharpness, the ability to discern falsehoods is usually tied to the indoctrination of first principles. Praise God. Because, you know, the writer of Hebrews and um, Peter, they are using metaphor because they are doing a parallel, all right, reference of the development of a human being and development of the the spiritual man. So um, a baby takes milk because the baby does not have teeth. And the milk, all right, has all the ingredients for the strengthening of the bones, the development of the spinal cord, and every single you know, system in the body. The baby needs that to grow and develop. But there comes a time when that baby does not need milk anymore. You know, as adults, you don't need milk. You know that? You can get every single thing in milk in other natural occurring substances. Are you following what I'm saying? Such that, you know, if in fact, you get to a particular point, all right, when you, you grow, they will begin to advise you against taking milk. Hallelujah. They advise you against taking milk because they begin to talk about, oh, you know, there's risks for this, risk for that, if you are older and you're taking milk. Hallelujah. First principle teaching has to do with milk. Now, this is important, especially for many of us, all of us here who are listening to this, you are going to teach the Word of God. Okay. And it's important in discipleship. Many people think or feel spiritual when they teach highfalutin stuff. Very, you know, you know, spiritually heavy stuff. But the thing is, unless you are able to serve your audience, what that audience needs to grow and develop in Christ, you have not fed them. Praise the Lord. The purpose and the goal of the Bible teacher is not to impress the audience or dazzle the audience. No, it's to feed them. If you have an audience of babies, newborn babies in Christ, stop feeding them meat. They won't be able to handle it. Hallelujah. They won't be able to handle it. They won't be able to handle it. So, all right, milk refers to first principles. You can't be teaching second principles Or things that are higher up to people who have not had proper grasp of first principles. You could see the frustration in the writer of Hebrews' um, writings in that he's saying, You have need that we teach you again. Again. Everybody say repetition. First principles have need to be repeated in order for people to have proper grasp of them. To teach you again. Teach you again. Teach you again. Moses wrote the, 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 um, the law of Moses was written twice because the first time was broken. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy is, Deuteronomy basically means the second law. All right? Second law. Law was given first time, it was written again, expanded. God is a God of repetition because repetition is how things stick. Someone said one time I'd agree. Say, repetition is the law of long and constant impression or long and lasting impression. Whatever you want to stick, repeat. Whatever teaching you want people to never forget, repeat it. Repeat it. Whatever message you want to have a permanent and continuous influence in your life and in your mind. Repeat listening to it again and again and again and again. He said, "And you have need again that one teach you again, again, which be first principles of the oracles of God, and have become such as have need of milk and not having not of strong meat." Next verse, thirteen now says he now wants to tell us what strong meat is for. He says, "For everyone that useth what milk is what." unskillful in the word of righteousness, for it is a what? Babe. Are you seeing this? So, the babe does not understand the doctrine of righteousness. Now, why is this important? Because the background of this is the Mosaic law. The man who was a Jew defined righteousness based on the dictates of the law of Moses. Okay? Because the writer in Hebrew is talking to a largely Jewish audience, that's the um, the audience, the focus. It's the reason why the Book of Hebrews starts the way he starts. The writer of the Book of Hebrews did not want to put his name there because of he wanted the book to be you know gain acceptance. Many people don't realize this, but if you read the Book of Acts very 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 well, very 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 well, you are going to realize that. A lot of people did not like the person of Paul. Go and read the book of Acts, I think it's Acts suppose, chapter number 20 or 21. Paul comes to Jerusalem, and when he comes to Jerusalem, the apostles sit him down, Then they tell him, hey, we have quite a number of priests who have believed the gospel, who have believed on Jesus, all right? And we have some Jews who are friendly with us, but they have heard of you and what you teach in that you're saying that this temple, all right, is useless, okay, and that um, the laws of Moses have been, what, eradicated. Then I'll tell him, so that you don't have any trouble with, this go, with these guys, this is what we advise. Do some mosaic or Jewish, you know, uh, rituals that are in accordance with the mosaic law so that they will find you, you know, say, ah, oh, really? He came to do the sacrifices. Ah, uh, but they said, are you following because a lot of those guys had believed, but they were still babes in Christ. They did not understand that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus meant that the high priest, who was still standing in that office, all right, while after Jesus rose from the dead, had been sacked. They didn't understand that the temple of Solomon had been retired. There was no need for the temple. Hallelujah. In that by the death of Jesus... His burial and resurrection, the temple of Solomon, that temple that was physically on earth, in the realm of the spirit, all the blocks <coughs> had, been worked, had been disassembled. And when Jesus rose up from the dead, it was assembled in his body. Jesus was now the temple, hallelujah, amen, of a living God. Where God answered prayers, hallelujah. In the Old Testament, they looked in the direction of the temple of Solomon and prayed towards the temple in hope that God will answer. If you go and read the book of um, 2 Kings chapter number 3, in the dedication of the temple, no, 2 Kings chapter number 5, in the dedication of the Solomon temple, you find that Solomon said, He said, listen, Lord, if uh, perchance, all right, we sin against you and you disperse us, us round the world, if somebody rises up somewhere and prays towards this house, you will hear. Hallelujah. And you heal our land. So that means that Temple of Solomon by the covenant was where the presence of God was domiciled. It was not domiciled in men. It was domiciled in a particular place. Are you following? But Jesus Christ now came and was saying, I destroyed this temple and built it back in three days. And he was speaking about what? His body. Paul comes and affirms that the teaching of Jesus was correct. What Jesus came to do, was that he came to retire the high priest, he came to require the sacrifices, and he came to require the temple, without the temple. But because a lot of the Christians there were spiritual babies, they didn't really accept it, and they felt Paul was a heretic. So Paul comes here and says, For everyone that useth milk is what? Unskillful in the word of righteousness, for is a babe. So the unskillful is the one who lacks understanding. If he lacks understanding, he cannot explain it, neither can he teach it. Okay? Praise God. He cannot explain it, neither can he teach it. He's unskillful. In the word of righteousness, that word, the word there's doctrine. Doctrine of righteousness. that doctrine, doctrine of righteousness. Doctrine of equity. Equity with God. All right? Not on the platform of law of Moses, but on the platform of what? Of grace. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Next verse, what does he say? For he's a babe. Next verse. That 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 what babe there in 13 is the Greek nepios or nepiazo. Nepios means an infant. One who cannot talk. So that means his um, unskillfulness, he's seen in what he sees. Are are you following? Come on, are you following? Unskillfulness is seen in what? what he says. So when you sit this unskillful person down and ask him to explain righteousness, it will show in his explanation of righteousness that he is a baby. So spiritual babyhood, all right, is based or seen in what? In what? In doctrine. In understanding of righteousness. It has nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian or how long you've been a minister. Mm -mm, No. You could be 50 years in ministry and be Defined by being a babe, spiritually. Spiritual babyhood is based on understanding. And it is manifested in your speech. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. A man can be really anointed, raise the dead, heal the sick, do all of those stuff, and be a babe. Because <laughs> being a spiritual baby is not sin. Alright? Being a mature Christian... When I'm talking about mature Christian, I'm talking about this context of knowledge. All right? Strong meat belongs to them that are mature and of full age. The full age in that context is talking about, what he's talking about there, it's talking about full in understanding. Hallelujah. fullness in understanding. Okay? Now, that man who has full understanding, okay, he may not work miracles. And the spiritual babe may work miracles because miracles are not all that is by the gifts of the spirit it's no reflection of your level of maturity or understanding of the scripture you are not a matured man in Christ based on gifts no are you following what i'm saying uh uh-uh. uh no it's based on understanding hallelujah it's based on understanding now understand get something clear understanding god's word when you when you look at the Breakdown and details of the Greek and Hebrew word when it comes to knowledge and understanding. Understanding the word or understanding the doctrine is not just about head knowledge. Are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? All right, head knowledge. Because the immaturity of the babe is found in how the babe talks about certain matters. But you see, how the babe talks about certain matters is manifested in how the babe behaves around those matters too. So, that babyhoodness or the, the, the spiritual baby is not just seen in his thought but in his action because the seed of action is thought. Seed of action is words. Hallelujah. So, words like epi, epignosis, all right, idol in the Greek, all right, uh, uh, um, all those words do not just speak about knowledge. They speak about a knowledge that transforms or a knowledge that a man takes on and becomes. Are you seeing that? So, epignosis is not a kind of knowledge a man can have or possess and not have fruits. No. That's not epignosis. Epignosis is full and exact knowledge that changes the person who has that knowledge. It's above gnosis. Gnosis is just... Uh, it's head knowledge. You can explain it. You can quote the scriptures. You can put one and two together. That's gnosis. Our gnosis is gnosis. There's a place for gnosis in, 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 in Christian conduct. In fact, uh, Peter, all right, is it 2 Peter? Now he says, Hard to your feet. One of the things to add is gnosis. Gnosis, not epignosis, gnosis. Right? Gnosis comes by study. Reading a scripture study, you have all the references and all that. That's Gnosis. But when it comes to epignosis, there is an interaction, there is meditation, there is some spiritual exercise added to Gnosis that makes it more than Gnosis. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh-huh. Now it says, but what? Strong meats. Remember? Milk, easy to understand. Is that correct? Correct? So milk is based on the ease of understanding. Okay. In our says, but strong meat belongeth to what? Them that are of what? Foolish. All right? Even those who by what? Uh-huh. By what? Reason of use. Use. Exercise. Have their senses exercised to discern both what? Good and what? Evil. So it means that the man that has or uses or fits on strong mates, all right, has a higher understanding, a better understanding. He has better accuracy in the understanding of the doctrine of Christ, and as such, his discernment level is higher, and he can easily differentiate between good and what? Evil. Are you seeing this? Good and evil. Why is that such important? That there should be an ability to delineate and discern, and be able to point it out. Now, notice it says discern. Desire is not discernment of spirit. Many times I have seen that mistake made by many believers and preachers alike. disen all right, and discernment, all right. Um, how do I say this? It's the same word, so to speak. But the context in which what is because designing of spirit is not one word. You understand? Is design. What are we designing? Spirits. Are you seeing that? So that means differentiate. So, design means to differentiate, to be able to identify and classify. So, the gift of design of speech is to classify spirits, what kind of spirits they are. You understand? So, for example, um, Jesus appears to you. How exactly do you know it's Jesus? Are you seeing that? How do you know it's Jesus? You've never seen Jesus physically before. So how do you know the person you're seeing is Jesus? It's by the gift of design of spirits. You would know he's the one. Are you following what I'm saying? That's what that gift does. It gives you the ability to differentiate. Now, uh, a being can appear and look like an angel with all the lights and all that. But by the gift of design of spirits, you would know that's not a, an angel of God. You can't explain it. You can't, you understand. So there is no method to it. There's no knowledge attached to it. It is a knowing within. Now, at times, that spirit might manifest in your presence. Some way we have a dream or form or whatever it is. But the gifts of design of spirit is not in operation. Are you following what I'm saying? And things are just going and all that and stuff like that. Now, how will you be able to differentiate and know what spirit is before you by discernment? Discernment is not a gift. That's why I said, "But strong meat belong to them that are full of age, even those who by what? Discernment is developed over time via usage. Discernment is developed over time via usage. Use teaching, 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 study, study, teaching, teaching, reading, study, study, teaching, teaching, reading, reading, study, study, usage. Amen? Amen. I'll give you an example. You know, there's something very important. You know when you're talking about discerning the difference between good and evil? I, I want to show something to you because evil... If something is outrightly evil, a faced evil, you don't need discernment for it, do you? Come on, do you? A man killing another man is evil. We don't need You don't need discernment to know that that's evil. Is that correct? Which means the kind of good and evil we are trying to differentiate is evil that does not look like evil. Evil that can pass as good. I don't know if you want to, you, you know what I'm saying? Can pass good. But it says, strong meat belongs to them of age, Who by reason of use? Who by reason of use? <laughs> Who by reason of use? I, I, I'll give you an example. Popular one. Service is going on. Audiences, largely Christian, they believe the gospel. Somebody gives an altar call. If you are here and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Hmm. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ, come out. You are here and you know that you know that if Jesus comes today, hallelujah, you will not make it. You are see battling with sin, blah, 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 come out. Now, you know what's going to happen? People are going to come out who are saved. Hallelujah. We say, well, pastor, they came out. They came out. Why did they come out if they are saved? How does a man get saved? How does a man know he's saved? Praise God. Yeah. Well, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, believeth on him, right, should not perish. But have what? What does believeth on him mean? Okay. First Corinthians chapter number 15. All right. Okay. He says that if he believed that the man died, was Buried, hallelujah, and rose for your sins, justification from sins. That means you are putting all your hope, all your faith, and your trust on what he did on the cross. Those three days and three nights for your sins and his intercessory work. At the right hand of the Father, you are saved. Is that correct? Is that correct? Romans 10, 8 to 10. If you believe in your heart, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus there compasses all he has done and confess with your mouth that God had raised him. From where? From the dead. That means your testimony is that Jesus is not dead. He is what? Alive. Okay. For with the heart man believeth unto what? Righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto? So if that man confesses the lordship of Jesus and believes that Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead, if that is his confession and his faith, his belief, he's saved. Are you following? But... Why do ministers do that? Well, because, because it looks nice to have the, 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 um, the front of stage filled with people that surrender to Jesus. I'll tell you something. <laughs> I remember when I was in some church. We gave altar calls every single service. And it was the same people coming out. one would have thought that somewhere down the line, somebody should teach on what it really means to be saved. Are you following what I'm saying? Because we were trying to get get people to come out appealing to their emotions, appealing to the mistakes they've made, the sins they've committed. Because if I lean into you long enough about your sins, you will give your life to Jesus Christ again. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Oh, oh, if you lie, if you this, brethren, 99.9% is not enough to enter heaven. We come out. Are you following what I'm saying? Discerning between good and evil. Why is it evil? Because if the minister comes here and puts a question mark on the conviction of the man who has believed in Jesus. Making him doubt that his faith in Jesus is not enough. That he needs to add something to it. It may look good. Because he's getting a reaction of people coming out and wailing and crying on the front of the altar. But it is evil because it's making that man question what Jesus has done for him. And the validity and the integrity of the sacrifice. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Discerning. Now, if I preach the gospel, and someone says, I have never believed in Jesus. From your message, I believe. He saved. Are you following what I'm saying? I believe Jesus is the son of God. I never believed before. Not, um, 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 I have come out before. All right? Well, Pastor, I'm still sinning. I'm still dealing with the, you, 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 We need to separate... A spiritual growth teaching from the salvation message. We need to separate someone who needs salvation from someone who needs discipleship. Don't lump it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do not lump it up. The man who had his father's wife in 1 Corinthians 5. Paul did not say you need to give a life to Christ again. No. Paul kept calling all of them brethren. Yet he said, it is commonly reported that there are fornicators amongst you. (laughs) But he kept calling them brethren. He now tells the fornicators, no, you know that your bodies are the temple of the living God. So that means he's saying the repentance required from your lifestyle is hinged on your acknowledgement and consciousness of who Christ has made you. Temples of the living God. So temples of the living God behave like temples of the living God. Are you seeing that? So you see, discerning between good and evil is not discerning between the outrightly good and the outrightly evil. No. If it was outrightly evil, you would not need discernment. Discernment is needed when the difference is too close to call. That's why it comes by reason of use. Reason of use. Repetition. Feeding on the word. Feeding on the word. Teaching. Listening. Teaching. Listening. Teaching. Reading. Reason of use. An application like that. Like that. Like that. Hallelujah. That's how you also be able to differentiate between when somebody is talking about Global evangelism that is rooted in love for God and fulfilling his purposes and when it is ambition. Hallelujah. You'll be able to differentiate it. Ambition. You can be ambitious when it comes to the work of God. Now, there is godly ambition. I I don't know. English fails me, but uh, if I am going to... Um, In the Old Testament, they call it courage. Now, godly ambition is, oh God, I want your name to be known in the whole earth. I want the whole world to be full of your glory. And my life is about that. That's godly ambition. But you see, the other ambition is wanting your name to be known, but you are now leveraging the name of Jesus to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They are leveraging the name of Jesus to do it. That's why one thing that ministers and Christians, we need need to first of all die to that need to be known. Die to it. Uh, There are ministers that you can, they want to be comfortable on the back of the saints. You need to die to it. Die to it. I remember when I was on campus, oh boy. I saw stuff on campus. I've even saw some pastors live like kings on campus. I don't know, if you saw, I don't know which, which school you. Some of you went to. In my school, oh dear Jesus, there was one night like that. My roommate at eleven o'clock said, "said Pastor Femi, said what is it?" He said, "Do you have like ten k, ten k, ten k?" Me ten k. I didn't have that when I was a student. Too. <laughs> my allowance was one thousand naira per week. <laughs> Do you understand? Per week. <laughs> so, Per week. And add some food stuff to him. 1k per week. I should give you 10k for where? The 10 K. Oh, that their pastor's birthday is coming and they are contributing money to buy him a car. Ah. (laughs) He says the person is a student to buy him a car and you are going to debt. Now some people call that honor and all that. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm hallelujah praise God they bought the car guy went into debt drank a lot of Gary. then after he left school oh yeah he was my roommate after he left school God so untied the gospel hated church hated and loathed that ministry hallelujah you must not, you must be particular as a Christian minister and believer, not to use the gospel for your own purpose. Are you following what I'm saying? Not to use the gospel for your own purpose, not to plant it into people's minds what they should do for you. Praise God. Because you are their pastor or their leader or something. No. You don't use people and wrap it under Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. No. You die to that need to be famous. Die to that need. See, there are certain things I need to die for you to be an effective minister. Listen to what I mean. What I mean, effective minister. I'm talking about effective minister before God do. Ah, you can be a popular minister before men, no, and not die to these things. Praise God. Ah, you can be a pu- before men, and not die. To these things, I want this. Didn't people follow Michael Jackson? Of our millions are following those people. Praise God! I, it was when I was watching Michael Jackson, I knew that people did, people don't only follow that power under the anointing. Have you seen Michael Jackson's shows? Oh God! The man we just do like this. There was a guy. The guy he just he came. Well, I don't know. One 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 concert. The guy just came stood. For like minutes. Then stood. Still. Not, you would think that maybe the the, the screen froze. Then did like this. And as there is people fell. <laughs> they were fainting. They fainted, they carried them in stretchers. You think you know they fell and they got up. This one, they fainted, they carried them in stretchers to the hospital. Amen. (laughs) Popularity in ministry doesn't mean you are in the will of God. Also, in converse, obscurity in your ministry doesn't mean you are in the will of God. You are in the will of God when you are what? In the will of God. Simple. Hallelujah. There are a lot of churches that have started because the pastor was feeling, how will I put it? He he felt his glory was being covered by the spiritual pastor, by the spiritual father or the head pastor, in that they didn't give him plenty of time to shine on the pulpit. (laughs) Hallelujah. And you will say, Oh, something will happen. He won't progress. Who told you? That pastor will go out in that grief and that flesh and he will plant a church and it will do well according to men's standard. People will be plenty. Oh, you think you too? Do? Disobedience does not always have a bad start. <laughs> Hallelujah. It also does not always have a bad ending. Read about Rehoboam. Rehoboam Defected, did I say Rehobab? Jeroboam. Reho is Solomon's son. Jero is the other one. So, Jeroboam, what about him? Took, you know, led a rebellion against Solomon, took 10 tribes of Israel, and because he did not want them to go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice, because was like, ah, if they go to Jerusalem and they are mixing with the Jerusalem crowd, they will use style to do campaign and steal them. You understand? So he said, do you know what? Let us set up our own Jerusalem here. But God did not give him, <laughs> tell him to do that. And so he had been offering sacrifice here. Nobody go to Jerusalem. Before I know it, the idols came into the picture. Because where will you get the priests from? All the Levites were in Jerusalem doing their stuff there. You understand? He, The only thing that the Jeroboam lost was the song did fairly well. So, whether things do went well or did not go well, it is not. doesn't mean you are in the will of God or not. Hallelujah. So, discernment, the ability to tell good from evil, comes from reason, I mean use. Over time, discernment. It's not a spiritual gift. Discernment comes by disciplined interaction with the word of God and by training and discipleship. Discernment. By reason of use. Have their senses. Senses. That's training. Senses. Your ear. You know. Your spiritual senses. Your spiritual senses. Exercise. To discern, to tell the difference, to differentiate over time. That is why there is a day and night requirement. When it comes to training, when it comes to feeding, Joshua 1:8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But in it, thou shalt meditate what? Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Discernment is impossible when the word is not in place. Discernment is impossible when discipleship is absent. A man can say by the gift gift of discernment of spirit that this spirit is false. But if he does not have discernment, he will not be able to tell you why. Are you following what I'm saying here? A man can, by the inward witness, tell that this person's teaching is wrong, but will not be able to tell you why if he lacks discernment. Are you seeing this? He won't be able to tell you why if he lacks discernment. Discernment is developed over time. Now listen, discernment does not equate a critical spirit. No. Are you seeing this? No, a critical spirit is actually a work of the flesh. Amen. It's a work of the flesh. The flesh always wants to criticize. Because the critical spirit is a spirit that demonstrates or wants to demonstrate superiority. You understand? I'll give you an example. Absalom was critical of David. David. Was Absalom right in what he pointed out about the mistakes and frailties with David? Yes. But was he right? No. I, I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Come on, are you, you understand what I'm saying? No, l- let me tell you why Absalom was the way he is. Because maybe we don't understand Absalom. They just read it and, oh, terrible, oh, terrible. No, you don't understand Absalom. Maybe we don't get it. Absalom was championing on that offense, hurts that the law of Moses should be followed. That's why you find that when Absalom came back from his maternal um, um, grandmother's home, which was not Israel because David married a woman who was not Jewish. He came back, settled with his father. Then he, he would hire guys to march in front of him. Then when he gets to the king's court and sees people coming to judgment, you know what he did? He will say, what is the matter? Will, they would not tell him. And there was nobody to hear their case. Because the court's judicial system, David had some issues administratively after, you know, some, some issues. It was not effective. So there were inefficiencies in David's courts. That's what he showed. absalom saw that and took advantage and said, oh that I was appointed a lawgiver in Israel and I will be able to properly settle these cases. You understand? Now, where was he speaking from? He was speaking from the heart of his brother having raped his sister and David did not. According to the law of Moses, the man who forced a woman, you understand? If he forced a woman, In a place where she could scream, are you following? And people will come and help. And she did not scream. The Bible lets us know that it was a death penalty according to law of Moses. Law of Moses was crazy, huh? Okay, it was a death penalty because it was assumed that it was not rape. She wanted to have sex with the guy and claimed rape. Guy was killed. Woman was killed. But. If it was rape, all right, the law of Moses, I know a lot of people don't agree with it, but this was the law at that time, all right? Because under the law of Moses, if a woman was, in that time, if a woman was raped and it was discovered, she was disgraced, so to speak, in the community, and nobody would marry her. Are you following? Nobody would marry her, because then virginity was a real thing. Now, if it was discovered that the man did that to the woman. It was mandated that that man marry that woman. And he could not divorce her for life. And he must not be cruel to her. You you, you understand? So, in the law of Moses, the woman who was a victim was protected. The way they viewed protection in that time. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Uh But Amnon raped Tamar. David says nothing. Does nothing. We don't see any statement from David on what Ammon Ammon did. Ammon remained crown prince. And if David had his way, Ammon would have been king after him. I don't know if you understand. Absalom was not going to take it. That was where the offense started from. Are, are, Are you following? It's like this. You are in a church. You have a pastor. Right? Right? Now, they have said, okay, this is in the workforce. These are the rules and all that. Then the pastor now happens to have a favorite. That you do something wrong, you penalize. But this favorite does something wrong, you just close your eyes. You understand? Then you now start having a feeling of offense towards a pastor for Glaring, you know. That was what happened with Absalom. Because the heart came close to home. This was Absalom's baby sister. And Absalom viewed it that this happened to my baby sister because I was not there to protect her. And my father, who before that time was his role model, David was superstar celebrity. Everybody wanted to be him, including his sons. And David let him down. In that Amnon was not punished for his wickedness. And his sister was allowed to go home in shame. Nothing done for her. So he decided to take it up and fight his system. That's what he was doing. First, he said, since you would not judge this matter correctly and protect the victim, I will do it for you. He killed Amnon. That's the first thing he did. Are you seeing the perspective now? He killed Amnon. Because he was like, David, you are supposed to, that's what you're supposed to do. So he took matters into his own. That's what criticism is. Critics are right in what they affirm most times. I, you understand? It's not that, when you look at what the critic is saying, it's not they're like, wrong. So you, the problem is wrong in the approach. Because the approach to something that is false or evil that you've picked out via discernment and reason of use to be evil is to come at it by teaching the truth for the truth's sake. Are you following what I'm saying? Not making the evil the message. Or your opposition to the evil, the message. I'll give you an example. Someone comes and says that if you wear trousers, you go to hell. If you smoke or whatever thing people say, you go to hell. All right. Don't be deceived. He that doeth evil is evil. He that walketh is going to a fire. You following? Somebody come and say, I had a vision. You know all this guy, No. The critique can come. And make the core of that person's error the message. And attack with viral, vitro. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Use strong words and demeanor and all that. Now, when you look at it, what the person is saying is correct. Are you following what I'm saying? But at the same time, the approach is wrong. Praise God. Many people cite Peter and Paul in the book of Galatians as an example of criticism. Hallelujah. But they forget certain key things. Number one, Timothy was in that meeting when Peter did what he did. Peter, Timothy was not the one correcting. Barnabas fell to the wayside and did what Peter did. Are you following that? There were other peoples that didn't do or fall, you know, do that, you know, demonstrate that hypocrisy, where Peter, but well, they kept quiet. Do you know why? Because it was Paul's local church, in terms of not that Paul owned the church, it was that Paul was the overseer of that assembly. Are you following what I'm saying? It was Paul's responsibility to provide order in that church. So Paul did what a pastor should do. He provided correction to Peter. Why? Because Peter was a guest in his local assembly. He came to Galatia, and Paul had been teaching. The truth of the gospel in that whether you are Jew or Gentile made no difference. Faith in Christ makes everybody equal. Peter now came and demonstrated an action that was way different from what Paul had taught that church. Paul had to preserve the integrity of the gospel message that he taught the church. And Peter had affirmed in words... But betrayed in action. Are you following? Are you understanding this? And he did that. Peter didn't take offense because Peter knew that he did what he did because he was afraid of the Jewish Christian sect in Jerusalem. Because the Jewish Christian sect in Jerusalem had not yet come to that place of understanding of the gospel like Paul had. Are you following? Notice, Paul's reprimand of Peter did not cause any issue in the relationship between Paul and Peter. Fellowship was not broken. So much that, in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter recommends the writings of Paul. I I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You must be able to tell the difference. Tell the difference. Tell the difference. For example, let's say a, a senior minister, someone older than you, it's been ministry, long. Put something out or teach something that you know to be wrong. Praise God. The right thing to do, notice you are not poor. He was, the man that was teaching, was teaching to who? His own congregation. Whom you have authority. You have no authority over. Now, if you have any issue because of the state of truth and for the body of Christ, what do you do? You will go out and meet the person first. Sir, excuse me. You said, are you following what I'm saying? And you engage that person first. I've done that with people. In fact, there are many ministers of gospel, we discuss the word together. There are many of them that over time, you will hear them. When my pastor came, you heard what he was saying. That's what I do. We discuss it. Show it from scripture. There are many pastors that we say, pastor, please, can we have a time? And I go and we sit down and I invest hours. It takes a lot of time from me. And I show them from scriptures. Are you saying once, forever? No, this is what we are saying. This is it. This is it. This is it. You understand? Why? Because there are two ways to show truth. One is with the intent to show you know more. The other is with the intent of building. When the intent is to build, you don't insert your personality into the matter you let it be about truth. Praise God. And you also understand that if it is about truth, especially gospel truth, man does not come to the knowledge by himself. He needs help. Man does not come to the knowledge by himself in his time. Just as the truth you now know, it took you time to receive, understand, and accept. You must be gracious enough to give people the time. To receive, understand, and what? Accept. That's why the man that knows more must suffer long more in bringing the truth across. The man that knows more has that responsibility to have patience as a culture and not use insults or mockery in communicating the truth. (laughs) Amen. Some people say, but look how Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh-huh. You are showing your ignorance of scriptures. Do you know who those guys were? Do you know who a Pharisee was? <laughs> Do you know why Jesus hated the Pharisees that much? But I think maybe we don't know. Because the first time you see Pharisees is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But people don't know who those guys were. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came across, came, you know, during the second temple period or the intertestamental period. The intertestamental period, according to theology, is the period, the silent period between the book of Malachi and Matthew. Now, it is called the silent period because no book that was written between those two times was accepted into the canon of Scripture. Scripture, but there were books written, not considered inspired about those periods. Are you following what I'm saying? Like historical writings, records that are true, but are not inspired. I I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I've thought about this before, right? Uh So now, Pharisees and Sadducees, because after the nation of Israel were dispersed into different places... The way they were to preserve the knowledge and the teachings, because the priests were not in existence, and there was no temple of Solomon where they could go to get knowledge and all that, they now started propagating the teachings through rabbis who were not priests, but people who were trained, you know, during Bar Mitzvah and got, you know, more training concerning, all right, the reading Torah and the oral Torah, into certain organized systems, educational systems, via synagogues in the diaspora, where people are cut up to. You understand? So, all right, during that period arose two sects, two belief systems in that period. The Pharisees, who were more conservative, and who affirmed, okay, the written law. All right, the written law. Right, the written law, they were a bit superstitious, you see, in that the Pharisees believed in visions, angels, and all of that. So they were like, they were people that will affirm the written law, the law of Moses, plus, amen, spiritualism or charismatism, okay, plus the opinions or the interpretations of Pharisees like them. It's like this if you are a lawyer, you will know that in every country there there is a constitution. Is that correct? But apart from the constitution, you had other books that were written by learned colleagues who were lawyers that had their comments, okay, or opinion notes or thesis about the constitution. Am I correct? Good. Now, they had such writings, you understand? Now, these other books, you know, the Torah was the Old Testament. Then you now had books like the Midrash. Okay? Then you had books and writings like the Talmud, which was different commentaries of different learned. They were not prophets. They were learned people like Gamaliel. All right? Who had writings and comments. That was where they got the things of, you must not eat with unwashing hands. It's not in the law of Moses. So what now happened was that the Pharisees took those interpretations and made them the law and elevated those oral traditions above the word of God. Are you following? That's why Jesus was really strong against them. Because if they stayed with just what Moses wrote, they would have understood that he was the Christ. But because they added to the scripture, they couldn't see that he was the one. And they were calling him Heretica for affirming what was in the written Torah. But went against what was in their oral traditions. Are you following? That's why I hated them. Because they were stopping people from entering the kingdom by lying against the Christ. And saying that what the Christ was saying was not true. And he was an heretic. That's why Jesus said, the prostitutes and all that, they are entering into the kingdom because of you. Because they are accepting me, you are rejecting me. Hallelujah. So when he calls them serpents and all of that, he was telling them that you are being inspired by the devil. And the truth about it is is that the devil used the religious system of that time to put Jesus on the cross. Funny enough, God didn't mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you understand? So there is that discernment. Discernment would also help you see that somebody is doing something that looks right. Well, you know it's not right. Reason of use. It comes over time and from experience. You know, oh, I've done that before. It, didn't turn, it turned out this way. It turned out this way. So reason of use, by reason of use, you have your senses exercised. So you now know how to do it better and not compromise the truth. do it better. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. Deeper in work with God. Have we learned something today? <laughs> I have to stop because time is fast, although I didn't go deep into the teaching as I would have loved to, but we will have one month to do that. Praise God. Now, how, what do you need to do? What's your takeaway from this? Listen to me. Have your routines. Perfect them. Reading the Word, praying. every. Have a routine. Listen, let me tell you something. Routines are boring! Some of you like excitement too much. If it is not excitement, they don't find you inside. Woo! We're going for this program. Woo! Yeah, listen, your spiritual growth, I may shock you. True spiritual growth may be, in, 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 um, may be ignited at a conference, but it's not gotten at conferences. It's not gotten in the conference. So the conference ignites the fire, routines keeps it burning. Routines. Keeps it burning. Routines are meant to be boring to your flesh. Boring. Ah, oh, it's boring. You wake up at six o'clock. You are praying. You are not feeling the prayer. Continue. Stay there. Continue. Pastor next not excited. Continue. Pastor, I pray three hours. After one hour, I slept. Did you wake up? Yes. Continue praying. Routines are meant to be boring. I'm reading the Bible. I'm not end. It's nothing. It's entering. Continue reading. Hallelujah. Continue reading. Some folks start reading the Bible. It's exciting. Then they get to the boring phase. They are now trying to cook up excitement. No. No, excitement is not a fruit of the spirit. Edification is a work of the spirit. Don't confuse the two. Stay there. Listen to that audio Bible. Listen. Listen to the message. Listen, listen, listen. Continue. The more you can persist when your flesh doesn't seem to love it, ah, you are growing. By reason of use, your senses are being trained. Are you following what I'm saying? It's training. Continue. When it's 10 o'clock, time to pray. Join. Pray. Pastor, this person just start praying. He's just speaking in tongues. He's not calling the prayer point where well. he's not doing. Pray. Oh, yeah, pray your own. Pray, pray your own. Let the person be pray. Oh, yeah, pray your own. And finish the time. Be training yourself. Hallelujah. Six o'clock. Ah, Pastor. You oh, set alarm. I can show you my phone alarm. Six o'clock, it rings every day, and I'm up. You may not see me on the Zoom this thing. I'm praying, no. I'm my own. It's 7:38. My own finishes. I'm the last to sleep in our house. I'm the first to wake up. Hallelujah. Yes. I'm the priest of the home. I can't be sleeping. My wife can't be waking up before me. Now. No, no. I have to wake up before her. I... Amen. I have to sleep last so that I make sure everywhere is okay and the doors are locked and the, everybody is safe. I sleep. They have to wake up early. Amen. Routines. Routines. Everybody say routines. The strength of a man's consecration is found in his routines. Routines. Disciplines. 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 Hallelujah. If the devil is going to attack a spiritual man, he will attack your disciples. (coughs) Satan, eh? don't underestimate Satan. Ah, that guy is a bastard. I'm not abusing him, he's a bastard, he doesn't have a father. He's a bastard. Satan. Ah. Satan is a patient devil. (laughs) He can plan a fall for someone for 10 years time. He will start cooking the soup now. Satan does not mind gradual decline that will culminate in 25 years. Samson had a problem, but it did not affect Samson for 20 years. How many years the Bible say he ruled Israel? It's not 40 years he ruled Israel? It was 40 years, right? 40 years he was a judge. He affected him. Until 40th year, his eyes was missing. That's Sita. Patient devil. You must be sharp to have your routines. So that when that time comes, you are strong. Amen? Yes. That's strong. Routines. I'm preaching to myself as I'm preaching to you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Designment Deeper. Deeper work in God in our Choices in our value systems, in how we spend our time. All right, then deeper manifestations of the Spirit. That's also very, very important. The work of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit. We all have both in Christ. Can we lift our hands and just bring in the blessing of the Lord. Just thank Him. Shadabakatalabaye. Abanina ikurani Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more messages, kindly search for our Telegram channel using the link t.me slash cc. God has blessed you.